And please open your Bibles to uh, Psalm 95. Uh, if you're using the Black Church Bible, it's on page 823. Uh, it is up on the screen. Uh, we've got about 600 different ways to read the Bible these days, uh, which is both good and challenging. But our Psalm 65, um, as the New Year's arrived once again, uh, it's natural to look back and to look forward. How did last year go? What will I do differently or the same? And we're looking at this psalm under the heading crowning the year. I'm wanting to give you some biblical insight uh, into your planning for this year, for, for this time of the year. So let's read Psalm 65. It's, a, uh, it's for the director of music, a psalm of David, a song uh, from verse 1. Praise awaits you, our God, in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with Awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas and the roaring of their waves and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Father, please help me as I speak and all those here and online who hear your voice as we examine this psalm. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. Well, friends, uh, May 6, 2023 will be a day to remember. On that day, King Charles III will be crowned King of England. He will be coronated. 
That just, it's a Latin word, means to stick a crown on somebody's head. Towards the end of an elaborate, but uh, we understand it's going to be a much shorter service uh, than his mother's service that he attended 70 years ago. At the end of that service, King Charles will have the St. Edward's crown placed on his head. Now, without downplaying the coronation itself, uh, we can agree, can't we, that a crown is basically a, a really expensive and fancy hat, yeah? That, that's right. Like We're not downplaying the coronation. That's going to be an amazing thing. But the crown itself is really, it's an expensive, it's a fancy hat, okay? Can we also agree that unless you want to have a really awkward time of it, when you get yourself dressed, a hat is the last thing to go on, yeah? Uh, I have a great little helper at home. Uh, he tells me, to get my hat as we're heading out the door if I've not got it or, or he actually goes and gets it for me and says, Daddy, hat. You know, I've got mine, here's yours. Um, but, you know, I, I just wear a cap. Um, I, I do have a fair too many of them in my house. But, but the principle, that, that's fairly solid, isn't it? A hat, especially a crown... <laughs> goes on last. Uh, we have a phrase uh, in English, don't we, call, saying that's the icing on the cake. You know, what we mean is that the beautiful adornment that, that goes on a usually very tasty but, but not particularly attractive fruitcake, uh, it too goes on last, doesn't it? After the cake is mixed... After the cake is baked, perhaps the cake is trimmed a little bit. But it, it goes on last. You, you can't start with the icing. You don't start with the crown. When King David writes in Psalm 65 verse 11 that God crowns the year in some way, he means that God in some sense has put something on the year like a crown. He's topped it off. He's, he's beautified the year in some way. He's finished it off in some amazing way. We are just starting another new year. It's January 1st, 2023. So why am I talking about finishing a year? <laughs> well, as I said earlier, it can be quite helpful to reflect on the year that's ended in order to assess where you are compared to its start, where you are now compared to its start. And also, we, we reflect on last year in order to go, hey, do I want to still do those same sorts of things? <laughs> do I want to change something? If we mean to finish this year well, no matter how well or otherwise last year went, 
it's a wise thing to plan out your intended progress a bit. To ask yourself this question, how can I seek to crown this year for God's glory and for my good and the good of those around me? How can I seek to crown this year for God's glory and for my good and the good of those around me? So I want to look first at what David tells us about how God crowns a year before we look at what we might do to crown a year, what we might do to crown 2023. Verse 11 says... You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The abundance that that David's referring to is in verses 12 and 13. If you've got your Bibles open, which I hope you do, please have a look at verses 12 and 13. There's grass that's too high to mow. There are flocks that are struggling to find room for each other. <laughs> the meadows, are, it says, verse 13, the meadows are covered with flocks. And um, if that's not, not good enough, where grass isn't growing, grain is growing. You can't look anywhere. There's nowhere you can look without seeing the abundant blessing of God on the physical world. That's what David's saying. Uh, but, but how has this come about? Well, David's explained it in the verses that come before this declaration of abundance. Look again at verses 6 to 11. Verses 6 to 8 outline the fact that God created the world And he subdued the wildness that was present. Verses 9 and 10 outline how God sustains, how he cares for the world that he's created. Now, they're not detailed descriptions by any means, are they? (laughs) Just a couple of verses. But, But they don't need to be. You know, We can read the first few chapters of Genesis to get the the detailed, the the extended version. And um, if you actually read at least Genesis 1 and 2 uh, in this coming week, that would actually be a good um, primer for you, as a good foundation for you as we explore Genesis 1 and 2. We're going to have a brief series in Genesis 1 and 2 starting on the 29th of January. So there's a heads up for you. Um, but what's David doing in this psalm? So he's, he's assuming knowledge. He's assuming people have a basic understanding of Genesis 1 and 2. And he's giving a short summary of what we call creation and providence or the fact that God made all things and he constantly looks after his creation, which includes all the creatures on the planet. Yes, that means you too. God made you and is constantly caring for you through his gracious providential care. 
Have a look at verse 9 again. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water. Now, I want to just why? Why are they filled with water? To provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. I just want, to, want, just want you to think about that for a moment. What I've highlighted there in, in yellow. This is, that, that phrase, to provide the people with grain, is the only purpose statement in this psalm. Now, sure, it's a short psalm, but, but still. It's the only one. It's the only time a reason is given for an, an action. And it's about humanity. It's about you and me. So what can we say? The Holy Spirit inspired King David to say that the reason God providentially cares for the earth is so that we can eat. Isn't that interesting? The reason God cares for the earth is so that we have... I mean, grain is, you know, a coverall... <laughs> term for food it was the staple it's like saying rice um, in, in some cultures or bread you know um, but just, just grasp that for a second the only reason that God cares for the earth is so that we can eat that friends is something to be amazed by it should also be quite humbling for us that the almighty sustainer of everything does that work for us. Now, I'm not, now, in saying us, I'm not just saying Christians, I'm saying humanity, people. <laughs> you know, God blesses the just and the unjust with rain, doesn't he? but it's still an astonishing statement to make. God crowns the year with the physical bounty of a harvest, verse 11. Because, let's face it, in pre-industrial ages, you know, before fridges, before manufacturing and all that sort of stuff, the harvest was the high point of the year whether or not it was the end of a calendar year, which it most likely wasn't. And let's face it, we, you know, calendars are a relatively recent invention. But God's great works don't end there as creator and sustainer. You see, this, this second part of the psalm, verses 6 to 13 are explaining the background of the God that David describes in verse 5 as our saviour. This is actually his greatest work. 
because it is as saviour that he becomes the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the father sees. It's here, right? It's here that we can participate with God in crowning the year in some way. That's very different to what we've just been looking at, yeah? But in a way that is much longer lasting. I trust it's obvious that we can neither create nor sustain the world. God does that. And neither can we be the saviour of the world. God does that too. But there are a few things in verses 1 to 5 that we can do, that we should do, that lead us towards that one thing that we can do to crown a year in a way that's possible. Okay, so what are these things in verses 1 to 5 that we should be doing? And just a, just a warning or a caveat, um, there are six things in these five verses. So we can't dwell on them in any great detail. So you know, if you think about it, just jot them down. You can think about them more during the week. But the first thing is to give God the praise that is due to him. Verse 1, Zion is the place where God's temple and God's people are. And if praise is waiting for him there, it follows that the people must be the ones who will be doing the praising. Yeah? But what is more natural? I, mean, I don't think there's anything more natural than for God's people to want to praise him for who he is and what he has done. Okay, so praising God, giving him the praise that he is due. That's the first thing. The second thing that we can do is to fulfil any vows that we might make. Now we need to remember in our context, so King David, pre-Jesus coming, right? we are after Jesus coming, we're living after Jesus has come. So we need to remember in our context, both Jesus and James teach against swearing oaths at all. What do, do you remember what James says? He says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. In other words, just say something, then carry it through. <laughs> you don't need to say, I swear to you I'll do it. <laughs> just say what you're going to do, then do it. But perhaps we can relate this, not, not so much specifically to making oaths, but to just keeping our word. <laughs> you know, if we say we're going to do something, we ought to do it. And on the flip side, if we say we're not going to do something, we need to follow through on that as well. We need to commit to completing the things that we set out to do. And that's true whether, whether it's in the home, whether it's at work, or whether it's in the church. So keeping our word is something that we, we ought to be doing. The third thing is to pray 
because God answers prayer. Right? You who answer prayer, verse 2, to you all people will come. Now, prayer is, is just talking to God. Uh, it is that thing that we do verbally uh, or we do it in our minds in response to him talking to us through the Bible. In prayer, we praise him for who he is and what he's done. Uh, This takes us back to number one, doesn't it? But he has created, he sustains, he saves. And we thank him for the things that he's given us. We ask him for what we and others need. We confess our sins and we ask for forgiveness. And that's actually that last thing that I just said. That's the fourth thing that we are to do. We are to confess and forsake our sin. Now, I admit I'm using New Testament language here with that phrase. Um, it does not say that in the psalm. But even in the Old Testament, this was the process to follow. When in the words of verse 3, an Israelite was overwhelmed by sins, what were they to do? What was a a faithful Israelite in David's day to do if they were overwhelmed by their sin? Well, they were to take the appropriate animal to the temple. They were to put their hands on the head of the animal. They were to confess their sin over the animal The animal was then killed and burnt on the altar. And because they know that the animal has died instead of them because of their sin, there's the implication that they will not recklessly sin in the future, which would require another animal to die. So even though that specific language is not quite used in the Old Testament... It is true that that you confess and forsake your sin. You name it for what it is. That's what confession is. You use the same words that God uses about it and you forsake it. You turn from it. You seek not to sin in the same way again. Fifth, we are to enjoy God's presence and the blessings that he gives us. Now, I don't know if you notice, but but this is actually what we might call an Old Testament beatitude. You know, when we think about the beatitudes, we think about Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. There's eight or nine of them, depending on how you count them. But this is a beatitude. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. And there are actually lots of them. (laughs) There are lots of Beatitudes outside of Matthew's Gospel. As you're reading your Bible, just have a look for them. And there's actually quite a few in Revelation, incidentally. But here, do you notice in verse 4, 
that it is God who does the choosing and the bringing near, not us. I mean, let, let's, be, let's be really blunt. It would not be a blessing from God if we were involved in it. It would not be from him. <laughs> it would be sort of him and us in partnership. And that's not a blessing. So God is the one who does the blessing because he is the one who chooses and draws near or draws people near. Notice also that it is that we are brought near to God after our sins have been forgiven, not before. All right, verse 3 when we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions and as a result of that, blessed are those you choose and draw near. Sixthly and finally, the crown of this psalm that relates to us, how we can crown 2023, how we can make it a beautiful year is to share Jesus with everyone. Now hang on, Dean, I hear some of you thinking, verse 5 doesn't say that. And you're right, sort of. (laughs) Verse 5 does not literally say that, but let me walk you briefly through why I believe that that is how we ought to interpret it, as those alive after the New Testament has been written. And there are three basic things to be said. Jesus, the Son of God, is the saviour of the world through his death and resurrection. Secondly, God the saviour is the hope, the only hope of the ends of the earth and the Father sees. Um, That's a rather poetic way of saying all people everywhere. That's the second thing. And thirdly, if God's saved people don't tell other people about Jesus, how are they going to know? How are they going to learn about God the Saviour for themselves? So, So that's our jobs. That's our job, friends, to present God in Christ to the ends of the earth, to everybody. That's the way that we can crown any year. But let's focus in on 2023 because we're on day one. What specific decisions will you make? What deliberate actions will you take to maximise your opportunities to present Jesus to people this year? Do you know one really great thing about this mission? Uh, We don't need to do it alone. There's great benefit in working together on it. A couple of those benefits are that we actually have each other to encourage along the road in the ups and downs of the mission to tell the world about Jesus. We have each other to learn from in relation to you know, things that we said that were helpful, things that we said that were unhelpful. That's only two things, but I think they're two of the most important 
practical considerations, encouragement and learning from each other. But the third reason I want to put to you is a theological one. And in some sense, it's the most important. And don't get frightened by that word, that theological word. All I'm saying is, we work together because we are not the many bodies of Jesus out doing our own thing. We are the one body of Jesus carrying out his mission to present the good news of faith in him to all who will listen. Okay, Not many bodies of Jesus, one body carrying out his mission to spread his name, to call people to faith in Jesus. So as we praise God together, as we pray to God together, as we confess and forsake our sin together, as we enjoy God's presence and blessings together, we are better equipped and receive more encouragement to share Jesus with anyone and everyone we meet. We support each other's efforts in evangelism through prayer and perhaps through presence in certain circumstances. We support combined church evangelism through prayer, presence and finance. Now, look, I'm not trying to guilt trip you into this. (laughs) What I'm seeking to do is to set before you an encouraging vision of what God is already doing and how we can be involved in that. It's because of what God is doing that I'm seeking to encourage you to do whatever you can to work with him in crowning the year in the way that we can by sharing Jesus with everyone and seek, seeing who he brings to himself. Can you imagine if we look back over 2023 in December, if we looked around the congregation on the last Sunday of December this year. And we went, we could count up at least 10 people who came to faith in 2023 through the ministry of our church, through us faithfully presenting the gospel as a church and as individuals. Wouldn't that be a rather encouraging crown for Reservoir in 2023? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for King David who wrote of this awesome uh, thing that you crown the year with your abundance. that you have ordained the sustaining of this world for our benefit, for humanity's benefit. We thank you also that we can be involved in crowning the year 
through seeking to faithfully present Jesus, give us great vision for this. Give us great courage and wisdom as we seek to present Jesus to our community in 2023. And we don't know what we will be looking back on in December this year, but Father, we know that you are faithful and that you work through your appointed means. So please work through us in this year to your glory. Amen.